0: And that is what matters. And even in this small little concluding part of this epistle, um, he's going to be speaking to how important. He's going to call it the rule that needs to be followed. in a whole letter of don't worry about rules. It's not about rules. And then he says, but there is the rule. And I'm writing it, pressing hard on the pen. Now what's up? Now it's working? Come on, people. Okay, no. (laughs) Was it that button with the red light? Oh, yeah. Should have known. It's always the button with the red light. I was told never push the button with the red light, but <laughs> and you don't know how many times I've been tempted. Um, and so, verses twelve through thirteen speaks of the essence of Christian religion, and this this conclusion does. Verses twelve through thirteen asks the question, answers the question: Is the essence of this Christian religion outward or inward, external or internal? Verse twelve. For as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So these Judaizers, these false brothers, these um, people who have crept in and secretly come in to spy out the liberties that the Galatians had so that they could lead them into bondage. um, They are these guys that desire to just make a good showing in the flesh you know for some reason my mind goes to some old victorian era movie or show you know where the man in his tux says good show good show you know these guys want to have a clap and a pat on the back and good show man look at what's going on there like you appear to have it all together externally they were obedient to the law but only so far Uh, and often creating loopholes to make it appear that they are obedient to the law. They had a polished outward appearance. They appeared to be perfect in stature, in their race, in their heritage, in their education, and in their work. So they, they wanted to have this appearance of a good show uh, as they went around from town to town, creeping in and trying to lead people away from the grace of Jesus. And Jesus speaks to this specifically in Matthew 23, where he gives... The woes, this classic chapter of woes to these religious men. Uh, Judgment upon them. And you can go ahead and flip there and we've got them here tonight. But Matthew 23, 1 through 9. Linz, will you read this? So all their works they do to be seen by men. They make these big religious you know things with the law written on them and wrapped around their arm, and they just want to be applauded and have this appearance uh, of self-righteousness. And then Jesus goes on and speaks directly towards that good show that they put on. Bree, do you mind reading Matthew twenty-three five through twenty-eight, twenty-five through twenty-eight? So just a just an indictment against these. Just religious people and of course Jesus had him in his day, but we've got him in our day as well. Just the external things that they do, that is what they hope in, that's what they trust in, and they love the applause and they love the just the religiosity of it all. And it's self righteousness and they condemn others who aren't in that same place as them. And uh and so Jesus I love, you know, the the images that he uses there of, you know, it's a it's a dish that um the outside is clean, but the inside is is disgusting and dirty. And we just got a new dishwasher. We're learning how to use it. We were hoping to just start off with a new dishwasher, and not have to pre-wash and just throw everything in there. And and so you you know you get the dish out, and you're like woohoo, and then you see the inside and how you know those things got crusted on there. Hard, you know, and can't use that dish. It's get that's disgusting. You know, you can use it for core groups and stuff because those guys don't care. But <laughs> But you know, man, uh, you got it. It's not about just the outside getting clean. It's about the inside, the heart, and the the image of the tomb, and how you know. Oh, outside the white, they would whitewash the tombs to make it appear nice. But inside, there's decay and rottenness. Um, Colossians two twenty three speaks to the good show of it all. Josh got that imp- appearance and just got that good show going on. Uh, Isaiah twenty nine speaks to this um, external self-righteousness. Jesus would quote it later on to speak of the Pharisees and their religiosity as well. Uh, Blaine, you want to hit that one? Oh, maybe I didn't. Did I forget to do that one? Just yell at me, Josh, if, if there's not Okay. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah, that was one that later on came to my heart. I threw it on there. Uh, Thirteen. And so, so much of our churchianity in 2016, even in Prineville, is the same way. You know, we can even come on a Wednesday night. I mean, that's the midweek study, right? Surely that is what, uh, there's some value, you know, there is value, but man, there's got to be something that kind of gives me a special place with God in that. Or, or maybe if I just go through the motions and I'm at even the midweek stuff and the core group stuff, and you know, that's got to give me the righteous place with the Lord. And that's got to make me just a good, polished, religious person. Um, but you know, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday or our core groups, we might draw near externally and we might show up at the thing and we might even mouth the words that are being sung. But man, if we're just drawing near and giving lip service with just dry, dull, dead, uh, dead hearts, man, it's nothing. We need the internal quickening of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's on the inside is what matters, uh, not the external show. And so he speaks to those that that got the good show going on. He says they would compel you to be circumcised. We know that Titus was not compelled to be circumcised uh, for righteousness purposes. Not many guys are. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Um, And it's interesting that the clause of some of these guys still preaching legalism and still preaching this workspace righteousness is they don't want To have the persecution that comes from preaching the gospel of grace. And there is persecution that comes from preaching the gospel of grace. It is an affront to men to tell them that they are sinners. And there's nothing they can do in their flesh and in their works. That would bring them innocence before the Lord. They are guilty. They are condemned. They are bound to wrath and hell and judgment. uh, And the only thing that can save them is the righteousness of someone else, namely their creator, who became flesh. They hate that. That's a stumbling block. Who became flesh, dwelt among them, lived the perfect life that they couldn't live, died the death that they should have died as a substitute for them. That is an offense to them. The cross is an offense. Uh, Stott says, nothing in our history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. All of us have inflated views of ourselves, especially in self-righteousness, until we have visited a place called Calvary. It is there at the foot of the cross that we shrink to our true size. So as the message of the cross is preached, there's always pushback. There's always persecution. And Paul even said that in Galatians 5.11, in our very book, he says, if I was preaching circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Apparently some were accusing him of, see, even Paul's got a little bit of a legalist streak in him. Even he says, you know, you got to do this or do that. Even though Paul would become a Jew to win the Jews, you know, or he'd become a Greek to win the Greek. And so maybe that confused some people. and He says, hey, if I've gone full-blown Judaizer, then how come I'm still being persecuted by preaching the gospel of the cross? Um, good question is, when was the last time you've been persecuted? <laughs> When was the last time that you've opened your mouth up about the cross of Christ? And many times, as you do, there's a persecution. There's, it's way different here in Primeville, but there's that pushback. There's that rejection uh, as men are confronted with their sinfulness before a holy God and their inability to atone for it themselves. Uh, and so the essence of the Christian religion, it, it's, it's a matter of... Um, internal regeneration being made clean uh, by the spirit of god being given a new heart not about external righteousness Uh, and then verse 13 answers is it a human thing is it a divine thing and he says for even those who are circumcised keep the law but they desire to uh i'm sorry not even those who are circumcised keep the law but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh, and we're going to see the word flesh just repeated a lot because that is at the core of works-based righteousness. It's it's what can you do in your own human exertion and power, and so uh, not even those guys are keeping the law. Uh, we know that they're found guilty that they have broken the commandments of the Lord, and if you even break one, you're guilty of breaking it all. But that woe that Jesus would say that we read in in Matthew twenty three. It says that these guys, they are just full-blown not keeping the law. They're going out telling other people to do this stuff, and they're not doing it themselves. Um, they, uh, the early part of what Lindsay read earlier says, um, they say and do not do, they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with even one of their fingers All their works they do to be seen by men. And so uh, they put the burden on people, but then they themselves don't try to help. And they themselves can't do it themselves. And that's one thing that's the difference between, um, you know, in Matthew 7, 1, when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And everyone gets their feathers all ruffled by that. And they say, judge not, judge not. The thing is, is that we are to inspect and we are to speak into each other's lives and examine uh, the fruit of each other's lives. What Jesus is speaking of there in Matthew 7, 1 is don't condemn people. Don't crino them. Don't damn them. That is not your your work. Uh, your work is to examine. Your work is to exhort. Your work is to rebuke. Your work is to correct and help bring the brother into righteousness. But to damn, that is not for you. Now, the difference is, and I remember hearing John Corson speak of this years ago. He says, when you go and confront someone in their sin, do you just drop the bomb on that you're living in sin and you're walking in sin and just repent and you know, if you don't, you're, you're, uh, you're condemned? Or do you help lift them up out of the miry clay? Do you help provide a way for them to um, be pulled up out of the pit? Uh, that's something that we see a lot in our church when men are living with women And they come in here, and, you know, and we begin to, you know, uh, work in this process of sanctification as they've been born again. And, and, you know, rather than just booting them out of the church, we want to, hey, you know, um, this is how the Lord has designed these relationships and marriage and who we cohabitate with, who we dwell with. Um, But rather than just, you know, you need to move out tonight and get out, um, we say, hey, um, I got a couch come sleep on my couch like god's calling you towards purity god's calling you towards you know the it's the marriage bed is, is designed for marriage you know uh he's calling us towards purity he's calling us towards being an example and living above reproach but but you know what? i got a couch and i got an extra bedroom and um rather than judging it's bring coming alongside and helping work with this individual towards sanctification um versus the uh the judaizer who just condemns and puts burdens on people and doesn't help bring them out of that. Um in Acts fifteen ten, and I'll continue the uh tradition here of uh Casey, you wanna read Acts fifteen ten? Oh, come on, people. She's got it memorized. Okay, Casey, just quote it real quick. Okay, I'll just read this one. Uh you'll have another chance. Uh Acts fifteen ten just speaks to Uh, And this is actually in the context of these Judaizers going around telling people that you've got to be circumcised according to the law of Moses in order to be saved. And Paul refers to this, or um, this might actually, who was this that referred to this? Peter, maybe? Um, They tested God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. So those that want you to be circumcised for salvation, they themselves aren't even keeping the law. They're putting a yoke on you, they're pushing down hard on you in, with something that they have not even been able to bear. Um, and the whole reason that they're wanting to get you circumcised and to get you as a follower of the law is so they could brag and boast in your flesh. In a sense, and I don't mean to be too crude, but every foreskin that's snipped off is like a scalp or it's a trophy for these legalistic men To say look at how many proselytites and converts we've gotten. And Jesus spoke of that. That they uh, travel to land and sea. To just win one convert. And when he is one they make him twice as much a son of hell as themselves. And so it's just they're trying to sneak in as Paul says in Galatians 2.4. False brethren. Pseudo adelphos. False brethren. Going in, spying out freedoms to lead people into captivity and to get the scalp in a sense. As we watch enough Westerns around here to see the prizes that those scalps were on the on the lance or whatnot, that they could boast in this. Uh Stott says it was a kind of obsession with ecclesiastical statistics, bragging about so many circumcisions in a given year. You know, or we might brag of so many baptisms a year, so many memberships in a year, something like that, that we could boast in that. And that is, that's not right. And, and Paul speaks towards boasting in a little bit in verse 14. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so it's just contrasting himself as an apostle with the false apostles, they're bragging and I only want to brag in what what should be bragged and boasted of. Um, you know, in a sense, Paul's saying, man, in the simplicity of the gospel, uh, I preach Christ and him crucified. I determine not to know anything except Jesus and him crucified. And I can brag in that. I can boast in that. As Jeremiah nine twenty three through 24 speaks of what we are allowed to brag about. As Christians now, Casey, so the simplicity that Paul would boast of in Jesus and Him crucified, uh, you know, it goes deep. Even as Jeremiah says, "Man, glorying and bragging, you can brag in my plan of salvation that I would be glorified in sending my Son to die to redeem sinners to myself, uh, to receive the lost and redeem the world to myself." Um, and he says, by Jesus, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Uh, just reviewing Galatians so far, Paul repeats himself in these, uh, sorts of things as in, um, Galatians one, four, Mark, you want to read that? Nope, didn't think so. (laughs) So he gave himself to deliver us from the flesh uh, we've seen that in our Galatians 5 study. Uh, Galatians 2:20 Jenny you want to read this? And so uh, Galatians 2:20 speaks of what happened at the moment of our salvation. Jesus and you know uh, has crucified us with him. Uh, we are dead to sin, we are dead to the world. Um, we are um, it through faith crucified with Jesus there and now we have a new life not in the flesh but a life of faith a life full of the Holy Spirit uh, and so with that Paul speaks of this crucifixion and dying to the world and the world dying to us Romans six eleven, kind of the last verse in this set Kayla you want to read that so reckon yourself or consider yourself count yourself it's it's really an accounting term Uh, to be dead to sin, and alive to God. I've been crucified. Uh, The world's been crucified to me, and I to the world. And so because of that, we reckon ourselves to be dead. Last night, before we were uh, going to bed, or when we were going to bed, Lindsay was reading the news on her phone, and she said, uh, she kind of started giggling it. Um, I think that's okay. uh, uh, she, She informed me on the news that there's this group of people who... Have a condition, and I, I've got it looked up here, uh, card called Cotard Syndrome, where they believe they're dead. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. This is actually from clear back in the 1850s, um, the 8 through the 1880s, that this was this began. Uh, neurologist Jules Cotard uh, found that there's this. Uh, he he refers to it as the Cotard delusion or syndrome, or walking corpse syndrome, a rare mental illness in which an afflicted person holds the delusion that they are dead, either figuratively or literally, yet said delusion is not a symptom essential to the syndrome proper. So uh, as Lindsay was reading, you know, these people come into the hospital, and they're like, I'm dead, and my spleen is like rotting out of me right now, and my You know, uh, there's some very deep uh, issues that are going on there with these poor individuals that feel they're dead. And yet, that's just us. (laughs) That's us as Christians. We are to reckon ourselves. We've got the Cotard Syndrome, people. Probably not saying that right. Cotard, Cotard, uh, you know, Captain Cotard, I don't know. But we've got the syndrome, okay? We've got to reckon ourselves. Lindsay, you don't need to explain (laughs) <laughs> i told her everything you say is sermon fodder so you better be careful uh we are to count ourselves count ourselves to be dead dead to sin alive to god we can boast in jesus he's died through him we've also died to the world and the world has died to us that's glorious news verse 15 for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Uh, Paul said the same similar thing in Galatians 5, 6. And when he's repeating and he's got his large letters out, man, he's trying to get the point across. He says it in Christ Jesus, chapter 5, verse 6, neither circumcision or uncircumcision uncircum- avails anything, but faith working through love. So what matters? A new creation. What matters? Faith working through love. Not these external things that we're doing, but internal things that have taken place we have become a new creation as jesus says or paul says rather in second uh corinthians that if any man is in christ he's a new creation a new creation old things have passed away behold all things are made new uh so circumcision uncircumcision uh any external religious observance that we might do here in prineville today Those things don't matter. What matters is, are you a new creation? Have you been born again? Have you been regenerate? Have you been given a new heart and a new mind? Do you know God and are you known by God? A new creation or faith working through love. That's what will be evidence in a new creation. Faith working through love. And we're looking at that in Galatians 5, in this Galatians 5 series that we're doing um, in first Corinthians, Paul said it, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, that how do we keep the commandments of God through the relationship of Jesus? He has kept it and that's imputed into our account as we're made a new creation, as faith is working through love. Romans two twenty-five 25 through 29 speaks of this. And Colossians 3.11 speaks of this as well. But the beauty of the new creation. In fact, towards the end of the book of Revelation, the end of the Bible, kind of just the the bookend of the book, uh, Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. Such a wonderful part of the book of Revelation. When you see the new heavens and the new earth. And just, you know, the problem with sin has been dealt with. And the redemption of the world has, been, has taken place. And there we are in the presence of the Lamb in paradise with God. And he says, look, I've made all things new. Circumcision, uncircumcision, doesn't matter. A new creation does. Verse 16, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon then, them and upon the Israel of God. So as many as walk according to this rule, the word rule there is canon. Uh, It's where we get the word for our Bibles, the canon of scripture. The word canon means a measuring rod, that there's a standard for something. And here we have what's recognized as the canon. This is the standard for truth and life and godliness. And so in the same vein, um, Paul says that what he just referred to is a rule. That circumcision, uncircumcision, legalism, rituals, religion uh these things don't matter a changed heart new creation holy spirit in you working out love in your life and the fruit of the spirit that's what matters walk according to this rule so it's interesting i you know just up in the kitchen and it just that word rule came to my mind and it's like it's interesting paul uses the word rule here as something that needs to be walked in after spending a whole book of you know Don't depart from grace. Don't rest on those, the rules and religion. And he says, ah, but here is the standard. Here is the canon. You've got to be born again. There's got to be an internal change that has taken place as a new creation. It's the fundamental parts of the gospel or the doctrines of the apostles. It's in caps lock, italicized, underlined, exclamation point, size 36 font. And so uh, it, it says, If that's you and you're preaching that, peace and mercy be upon you and upon the Israel of God. Interesting little phrase there. And upon the Israel of God. Um, We've been learning that the Israel of God isn't just the Israel over on the other side of the world or isn't just the uh, children of Abraham through blood and through DNA. Um, But we've learned specifically that the Israel of God is um, children of Abraham through faith. In the same way that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, those that believe the same way Abraham did are his children by grace, not race. And Romans 9 and 10 are all about that. It's about grace, not race. And we see that we Gentiles over here in Oregon, we've been grafted in, if, you, if you've put your trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and you've been redeemed. You as a wild olive tree have been grafted in to the natural olive tree of Israel. And so don't be haughty about that because if the Lord broke off Israelites who didn't, who wouldn't pursue through faith, uh, he'd break you off as well. So be humble in this grace that the Lord has given to us that we would be saved and partakers of the promise of Abraham called righteous through Jesus and through us the The whole world will be blessed, and every family of the earth, and every nation, will be blessed. The Israel of God, those who are of faith, Galatians three nine, are blessed with believing Abraham. The Israel of God, is Galatians four twenty six, and you remember the comparison between Hagar and Sarah, and Ishmael and Isaac. I mean, you guys are checking out right now. Like, you know, uh, wait, what? Hagar, Ishmael. Wait, what are you? Talking about? Okay, it was a whole thing. Okay. Uh, you got to go back and listen to the teaching and see the slideshow. Um, but you'll remember that Hagar and Ishmael represented the law and works of the flesh and represented bondage, and it was likened to um, uh, even the Jerusalem that is even on the earth now uh, versus Sarah and Isaac, the son of promise, a representation of believing in the Lord at his promises Is representation of grace and the geographical location wasn't Jerusalem, but it was where? The heavenly Jerusalem, you remember? And so it's the Israel of God is about grace, faith, the promise. Um, It's not about works. Verse 17, two verses left, guys, can you handle it? From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You know, Paul is far from an old codger who lives in a cabin up in the woods with a couple of coonskins nailed to the side of the cabin saying, leave me alone! Let no one trouble me anymore. No, he's saying, you guys, I've been defending my apostleship to the Corinthians, to the Galatians, to these false teachers that are going around. I'm preaching the gospel of grace. I've laid it out, large letters, pushed hard on the pen, like, the case is closed here, and if there's any question about whether I am, am worthy to be preaching this message, look at my body, and look at the marks that I've suffered. As he says to the second to the second Corinthians to the Corinthians, this is evidence of my apostleship and that I have authority to preach such things. Uh, it's interesting, though, that the word marks on his body it's the word stigmata which we know from all those Discovery Channel shows about how the statues have started bleeding out their eyes and stuff like that, right? But uh, but what Paul's speaking to is these marks. They are permanent testimonies of actually Jesus. And it speaks even the same way as a tattoo. And Stott says the word stigmata was used in secular Greek for the branding of a slave. And so they are, in a sense, the mark of his bondservanthood. hood, if I can He said, it's possible that Paul had this in mind. He was a slave of Jesus. He'd received his branding in his persecutions. The word also employed for religious tattooing. Uh, The word was employed for religious tattooing. So perhaps Paul was claiming that persecutions, not circumcision, was the authentic Christian tattoo. Right? It's the Christian fish on your arm or whatnot. You know, it was the authentic Christian tattoo. It's the way to show I'm preaching the cross, and I'm persecuted for it. As he said earlier, uh, if I wasn't preaching grace, I wouldn't be being persecuted. So that's the authentic Christian tattoo. And then uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, um, we'll read this. Jason, you wanna read this? Just because it speaks of the, it's the tattoos on Paul here. Go ahead. So you just have the example of, He starts out by saying that that shows that he's the minister of Christ. Uh, So leave me alone. (laughs) It's like, I've done my time. You know, I've been there, done that. I got the t-shirt. You know, I've got the marks that show that I can preach the apostles' doctrine. Uh, Last verse of the book here. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So Paul began the book with grace, grace, mercy, and peace. He preached grace in between. Do not depart from grace. He championed grace. He defined grace. And now he ends the book with grace. And that grace of Jesus, I kind of like the addition there, be with your spirit. You know, be with that, uh, the inner man in a sense. Be with, you know, when there's troubling times. When the false brothers are there and they're putting a trip on you. um, And your spirit is troubled oh man we need grace we need to be showered with grace as Hebrews says it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and hopefully we all have been was it remember was it like 10 weeks ago that we were all here together praying over our series in galatians and uh here we are beginning to wrap it up a couple more sundays in it but done on wednesday nights. so um jason would you mind running back and bringing the kiddos uh back together and we'll pray over comoros uh, together and why don't we go ahead and set our things aside and stand and uh ron you want to go ahead and come we can close in the song while the kids are coming do the closing song lord we just uh just in doing these few verses there's just so much deep treasure to dig out even just of a concluding passage and Lord, just our fast schedule and just speeding things tonight, just so easy to let it go in one ear and out the other and maybe even see our face in a mirror tonight and examine the blemishes and have things pressed upon our hearts and then quickly wrap up and end and go home and get about our our evening and our week. And Lord, just by your spirit here tonight, would you just help us, God, just help our minds to be able to comprehend help our hearts to be able to know and lord would you know us would you search us and know our hearts show us the wicked ways in us and forgive us for thinking of other people that needed to hear this tonight and oh if they would have heard the the large letter part from paul here and they just need that when lord we just we need it tonight i need it tonight so quick to go back to what have i done and and i'm better because i have or i'm worse because i haven't rather than resting in what you have done jesus we thank you that that love of jesus and the grace of the lord jesus that that moves us and propels us and motivates us towards righteousness and pursuing you lord we just pray that you would protect our church from the the judaizer of our day from even within our own ranks and even within ourselves lord and even as I would be studying in the weeks to come and the months to come in the future and reading different material and, and just maybe even hearing something from someone that could so easily and quickly begin to lead us astray, Lord, that you just keep us in grace, God. We wouldn't depart from grace.